Welcome to the Willing to Listen South Bruce Proud podcast. Willing to Listen is a grassroots volunteer group based in South Bruce, Ontario, that is dedicated to thoroughly investigating multiple aspects of Canada's proposed deep geological repository for spent nuclear fuel. I'm Sheila Wittick, and I'm so excited to have you join me as we delve into this controversial project. On today's episode, I am joined by Ryan Ernawine. He is a local South Bruce resident who has graciously agreed to be my guinea pig for the first episode of a new series that I'm hoping to call Community Connections, where I talk to local residents about their opinions on the DGR project. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you wouldn't mind, just take a couple of minutes to introduce yourself. Okay, Ryan Erdwine, born and raised in Bruce County on a farm outside Greenock until I was 14. Then uh, we moved to Walkerton, right in town. Spent the first few years of my apprenticeship in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Bought a home at Teeswater in 2007. And I've been here ever since, living with my wife, raising our daughter. I've been an HVAC mechanic for 20 plus years and currently work on the Bruce Power site at Ontario Power Generation. Where I'm working, we're actually non-nuclear. The building I take care of is essentially the building the engineers work in, the office building. Okay. So I have no access to the nuclear end of things. Okay, cool. So we'll just kind of start off. Tell us a bit about what you know about the proposed DGR for South Bruce. I kind of want to take these community interviews and kind of start out with what people know or what their understanding is of the project. Essentially, it's the safest solution we have right now to long-term storage of uh, nuclear waste. Basically, dig a big hole, put it down there, and when the hole is filled, Sorry, when the hole is used up, it would get backfilled. Be the simplest way to put it, I guess. It is it is complicated to try to sum up in a nice little package. I know I have that problem all the time when I talk to people. I'm like, I don't know how to sum this up into a little bite of sound because it's such a big project. And you know, to try well, to break it down, it, it almost loses its it's it's not even really a fair question, honestly, but it, it almost loses its depth and how much research has gone into it when you try to break it down. Yeah, I was going to say, like, really, to package the DGR up into one small-term solution, I don't see that being the case. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they have to have some sort of plan in place to get approvals. I don't see this only being like, a, I think somebody told me the number is 70 years. I'd be surprised if that was the case. Once they have access to this, why would you stop utilizing it? Unless there's a better solution. That's really yeah. what I'm hoping long-term goal is. But Yeah, and I think that 70 years, if I remember correctly, is just the time frame they've estimated for the extended monitoring phase. Like that's not even including operations, construction, and then like the decommissioning and closure and all that stuff afterwards. So that that if someone is claiming that 70 years is the lifespan that this project will last, they're not, right? It's been a while since I looked into it, but it was boiling down to they'll have enough space to be able to store what they project to be the nuclear waste needed for the next 70 years. Well, I look at that as a generic number more than anything. Yeah, and I find that is one of the problems we have is there's a lot of people who really don't know what they're talking about. And they're spreading rumors about things that aren't accurate and people are believing it. That's just another reason why we started the podcast and started willing to listen is to try to counteract some of that stuff. So 
on that note, let's talk a little bit about what benefits you see this project bringing to the community. What, like, what good do you think it's going to do? One thing I really hope it leads to is uh, kind of a rejuvenation of, uh, be it Teeswater or South Bruce or Bruce County in general. Teeswater especially, it was a thriving town at one point in time. There's nothing here but a few houses now, essentially. I mean, they're, they, they, we, we can't even manage to sustain a, a grocery store. There shouldn't be a reason for that, but hopefully this injects some money into the community. I mean, heck, look at the schools. My daughter goes to a Catholic school in town. I believe total children going is somewhere around 75. I don't understand how the school can even stay open, right? I, I know Hillcrest is more, but even that, it's what, half occupancy maybe? Yeah. Yeah, it's about um, half of what it was when my husband went there. I know his class. He was born in 83. He's going to be mad at me now because I'm telling people how old he is. But like his class, I think there was like 30 some odd kids in his class. And my son, who's there in grade one right now, at the beginning of the year, there were 11 kids in his class. Yeah. It's crazy. That, yeah. I don't know what exactly will come of it for jobs. There definitely will be some sustainable high paying jobs. I don't know what that number is myself. Mm -hmm. There's a few different scenarios kind of floating around too for South Bruce specifically it depends on where the container plant goes to make the copper canisters they haven't really decided where that's going to go it would depend on obviously who the host community is here in Bruce County you can really go anywhere in Bruce County and yeah it's it's still very subjective right because they haven't picked the community there is a lot of things that are going to be based on which community it's chosen I do hear that a lot, that people are looking forward to town rejuvenation is really a good word to put it. I didn't get to experience Teeswater in its thriving days. I'm an Aurelia farm girl, so <laughs> I missed the metropolis yeah. of Teeswater when it was a big deal. But yeah, I've heard the stories. My husband tells me the stories of growing up and all the kids on his street. And don't get me wrong, our street's amazing. We have great neighbors here. Our kids all play together. But there is something missing when there's a smaller group. It's kind of nice in a way, but you know, it doesn't hurt to grow. It doesn't hurt to, you know, to make the town sustainable. Well, like you said, you grew up around Aurelia. I'm sure you've seen quite a few towns around there where the, well, I guess that might not be the case. I guess Aurelia really started growing about 15 years ago, didn't it? Or 20 years ago, things really started taking off. Yeah. I, it's funny when we go home now where there used to be nothing. <laughs> now there's, you know, like a Walmart, a Canadian Tire, a Staples, a couple of car dealerships, a new McDonald's. There's almost the other, it's almost the Western side of Highway 11. There used to be nothing. And now <laughs> it's, it's so busy over there. They've expanded so much. But even look at what Bruce Power's done for Bruce County, right? A lot of people, a lot yeah. of people downplay that and try to say that it's different. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but I know when people tell me that Bruce Power is different than a DGR in its, you know, safety or its um, ability to attract residents or its ability to sustain farming. And they're like, Bruce Power is different because this is waste. I, I, I just think that's absolute bullshit to say it in the nicest way possible, because if people are OK with Bruce Power, we should be OK with the DGR. Where the hell do they think the waste is coming from originally? Well, and that's the thing, I mean, right? That narrative we have here of, I'm sure you've heard it, Bruce County doesn't want to be the nuclear dump of Canada. We kind of already <laughs> are, if that's how we're going to look at it. Like the waste is already in Bruce County. So like it's, 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 a, it's a silly argument, I think. 
But on that note, while we're talking about that, what kind of concerns do you have surrounding the project? Honestly, as long as they can determine the uh, geology is uh, appropriate for the DGR, I really don't have any concerns. There's a lot of people that have done a lot of homework for a lot of long time to figure out this is their best solution. I'm willing to listen to them. I tend to agree with that opinion. I am of the opinion that a lot of my decision-making in regards to this project is being done right now out on the 8th concession with borehole drilling. I personally believe that the geology in the rock is the most important barrier, and it's the one that we need to be right the most. Not that the other ones can be totally wrong, but the rock, to me, is the main, it's the main safety feature, is that rock. So I want to know what that rock is before I make any decisions. While we're talking about um, what we believe is benefits and what we have as concerns for the project, what kind of effects have you seen on the community, like both positive and negative throughout the siting process? There's been, I found a lot of community division. People have tried to have community members fired from their jobs. Um, threats to discontinue supporting local businesses. It's been harassment towards uh, people choosing to ec educate themselves before making a decision. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been positives. There's people that are taking the time to look further than their monthly hydro bill uh, and actually find out where their electricity is coming from and maybe discovering that there's a better solution than leaving the stuff above ground in a storage facility and having to constantly create more above ground storage facilities using up, well, let's face it, potential farmland eventually. I mean, they, they can't find enough room on site for everything forever. Yeah. Um, you've got groups around that are concerned about our farmland. Well, this is using it. Yeah, for sure. That's something actually that I haven't heard brought up. You know, that the, the interim above ground storage is going to take out of commission more land. You know, the DGR is only going to use 250 acres of the above ground facility and everything else will remain usable. Whereas if, you know, above ground, we're going to use a lot more than that in the long term. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look at the building they're putting up on site right now. I mean, yeah, it's just a glorified shed. But we're just going to keep needing more of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm hopeful of, that they can find a different way to deal with the waste. They haven't yet. Things yeah. change. Yeah, that's and that's a whole other, um, it's a whole other topic you know, too, right? The alternative uses for waste. I know I've read a lot of articles about it. I've read a lot of books about it. I've spent far too much time researching this stuff. And, you know, most of it comes down to the fact that we're still going to need a DGR. Yeah. Like, no matter what, it just won't be for, it won't necessarily be for spent fuel. You know, if they find a way to recycle it, you know, there's still going to be the reprocessing waste that needs to be dealt with, with a DGR. And I think a lot of people overlook that, I think, because it's convenient at the time to say, we don't need a DGR because we're going to do this in 20 years. But yeah, it's easy to live in a fantasy kind of world where we can just downplay you know people who are just against the DGR for that purpose so yeah on that topic of community division I also find it interesting I don't know if you've heard it at all either if you work at Bruce Power but I'm an operator up there I don't keep that a secret I'm not ashamed of that 
I hear all the time that, you know, as nuclear workers, we're not allowed to have an opinion or our opinion doesn't matter because Bruce Power pays us our income. So, you know, we have to support this because we're, we're paid by the industry. We have to support this, you know, where people say that our opinions are biased or, you know, I've noticed a local guy lately on a lot of um, anti-nuclear sites, you know, specifically calling me out all the time, you know, Sheila and her friends who would have us believe all of this Bruce Power nonsense about waste and toting the NWMO line about research. I'm just kind of wondering if you, if you hear that as a person who works at Bruce Power that, you know, our opinions shouldn't count or don't really count. See, and I say our opinions have to damn well count because we live here just like they do. I don't see why these people think we would put our families at risk. That is the most asinine thing I have ever heard anybody say, and it aggravates me to no end every time I hear it said. I was born here, I was raised here, and I'm not an idiot. And I have that conversation, and you know, when I would ask that question, when I would be accused of supporting it anyway or not caring about safety, I would say that, I would ask, you actually think that I would be willing, because you know, their narrative is that it's gonna poison the water. It's not gonna poison the water, that's their narrative. You know, and they say to me, you would actually, you'd actually support poisoning our water. And I'm like, do you think I would support poisoning my own children for this? Like, that's actually what you're saying to me right now, is you're saying that I would be willing to put my children at risk for a project that is not really gonna start before I die, really. Like, if 2035 is their projected construction date, it's gonna be probably 10 years out from that yet, because everything's behind. You know, by the time they operate, I'm probably going to be dead. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> it blows my mind that people actually will, you know, and they never will, will address that. You know, you ask the tough question of you actually believe that I would do that. And then it's skirt around to something else. And I just find that interesting that, you know, they try to make everyone look like villains. Well, okay. To take that narrative of poisoning water a step further, how about there's also the argument that this is being stored well underground below any aquifers. But if they want us to talk about poisoning water, I grew up in Walkerton during the E. coli crisis. That was a result of cow shit getting into the water supply. But those farmers didn't stop having cattle, did they? No. It was dealt with. It had to be dealt with. Just like this has to be dealt with. We've got all these guys around here still farming. And I'm sure some of those wells are still in the same spot they were the last time they were accessible. Yeah, yeah, it's that that comparison has been drawn on before, you know, that nuclear waste has never harmed a single person in Canada. Civilian nuclear waste has never harmed anyone anywhere. But E. coli from cow manure has, it has killed people. I don't, like, I don't want to rag on farmers. I love farmers. My dad's a farmer. The truth of it is, though, it is a dangerous profession and it has risks too. everything does. And if we're going to upplay the risks of nuclear, we can't downplay the risks of other industries either. Farming is a profession that's well known for not being, let's just say, the safest profession to be in. That's not the case with nuclear. Yeah, nuclear is, in terms of just power production, the least number of deaths per kilowatt hour of every form of power generation. It's the safest. Well, and let's face it, it really is a magnet for people looking for something to go wrong with. It's kind of like a strip club that has a restaurant inside. 
The health but, inspector is yeah. always visiting now. Yeah, yeah. And it's an easy target, right? People are very quick exactly. to finger at Chernobyl and Fukushima, Three Mile Island. Now the whip, you know, I had a really great podcast interview with Dr. James Conka, who basically said the whip is not a demonstration of a failure. It has worked exactly as it was supposed to. It turned out from what he told me, I hope I'm remembering this correctly, that there were no doses to employees. It ended up nobody got a dose from the slight release of radiation that happened there. You know, it's and it's just overplayed yeah. by anti-nuclear groups. But yeah, it was just interesting that the whip is always shown as this or used as the example of how DGRs are a failure when it's actually not. It's actually a pretty good indication of why they work. Well, and another example that I've seen get used as a failure is the uh, salt mine Germany has, correct? Yeah, the assay too. It is leaking. It's very minimal amounts and it's a controlled leak and it's monitored, if I'm correct, isn't it? Yeah, and my understanding is that the radioactivity from the leaking drums, may I add, leaking drums, the radioactivity has not left the mine. It's just leaking within the mine. And I, I really hate when people use that comparison because it wasn't, the ASI-2 mine wasn't designed to hold nuclear waste. It was a used mine that was there and available and they thought, hey, let's try putting our waste down there. They say salt works, we got this mine, let's do it. You know, and it, it wasn't designed. You can't compare a used mine that was not designed for this purpose to something that is engineered to contain it. They are two very different things. Well, if anything, it's a good example of an unfortunate lesson learned and proof that we have people that aren't going to let that happen again. That's mm -hmm. why they've taken this long to make a decision. Yeah, for sure. Right. That's why it's been researched for decades. And the interesting thing about that, too, is it's used as, you know, Germany had this DGR fail and it's horrific, but Germany's still looking for a new DGR home in, in, within Germany. So it couldn't have been too catastrophic if they're still looking at making a DGR. Yeah. If the ASI2 mine being a failure was as big of a failure as it's played up to be in our conversations about a DGR, why would Germany be looking to do another one? I always kind of like to ask at the end, what kind of advice you would give to somebody who's unsure or undecided about this project? Look into where the waste is currently stored and consider how easily at risk it is. The current storage method was meant to be a short-term solution. Whether DGR is built in Ignis or here, it will without a doubt be put in one of the two because this has been determined to be the safest option at this time. If our environment underground is deemed appropriate, it would be irresponsible for us to try to fight this opportunity and what it would allow our children's futures. It's kind of like what Thank I always you. tell people. And the whole point of what I'm doing here is be willing to listen, listen to the facts, not the fear mongering, and you know, be proud of our community and want it to thrive. Yeah. I, I mean, beside the topic, I honestly, I hope that we can have the DGR here, but it really won't hurt my feelings if it's here or in Ignis. Yeah. But it needs to go somewhere. That's what I said um, when I interviewed Brad Greaves um, last week. 
the chair of the IGNA CLC. I, I told him, you know, I've read on some of the online stuff that people think they should pit us against each other and have South Bruce fighting IGNACE. Um, you know, instead of working together to share information, we should be fighting each other for the opportunity. And I told Brad, I said, I really hope that doesn't happen because my opinion is I want it to go where it's safest. I full wholeheartedly support a DGR. I think it's the best solution we have today. Um, we need to be looking at a solution today, not waiting for something better to come along. And I want it to be safe, whether it's here or there. I couldn't care less where it goes as long as it's going to be safe. Okay, well, thanks so much for That's joining me today. Talk. I really appreciate you taking the time okay. and being brave enough to share your opinion. I know that's not uh, easy in the climate around here lately, but I definitely appreciate it. Okay, no problem. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Willing to Listen South Bruce Proud. I look forward to further investigating Canada's plan for spent nuclear fuel along with all of you. Thanks so much for joining me. And remember, we don't have to agree on anything to be kind to one another. Mm -hmm.